radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. We're back with another Talking Real Money podcast, video cast, cast of all kinds. It's a cast of characters. It's a cast of thousands. No, it's a cast of two. Uh, well, could be thousands with you. Yeah. Yeah, there's pictures of thousands. There's thousands behind us. The whole family. Right oh, I see us. you moved the pictures around for today's yeah. episode. Yeah, that's true. Well, you moved one. I want to make sure everyone gets proper exposure. So. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't okay. a lot of work I'm on I'm lazy. Part. What can you say? Today... On Talking Real Money, the podcast, (laughs) let's talk about what you should expect from your money. Because when you invest, you expect to make money. I I would hope that's the whole point. Now, of course, I want to start all this off by saying when you invest and hope to make money, you understand that you've got to take risk to do that. Okay. Yeah. You understand that's part of, that's an absolute part of the process, but you want to make a certain amount of money. And you need to know, or you need to have a, an estimate, a decent estimate of what you might expect in the future so you can plan. And we work really hard on trying to come up with decent estimates. We don't know the future. We never will, but we do try to estimate. And a lot of other people do too, like you. You sit around going, I think in the future, based on now, I'm going to make X. X. What's X? What's X? I, <laughs> X is crazy. X is crazy if you ask the 750 people. It is. This is literally insane. Uh, there's a company called, I think I have this, Naxis Spell it for me. Investment Managers. I think I have that right. N-A-T-I-X-I-S. As in no taxes. Kind of hard to say. I don't know if that's an well, A. A at no, I don't know if that's an A. at. Anyway, it's not. Anyway. No, it's not. No, yeah, it's no, Natix. Natix. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. So you can call us and tell us the proper pronunciation for that if you'd like. But anyway, they surveyed 750. That means no ticks on you. All. Oh, that's better. Oh, I feel so much Boy, better. Boy, they I'm manage cool. a lot of money. They, they surveyed 750 people. They surveyed 750 people, and you told them. You expect to earn 17.3% this year in stock after inflation, which is running at like 5%, yeah. Well, right? it ha- yeah. So you're expecting to make 22% this year? And then they said in the long haul, people in the survey anticipate earning an average, an average of 17.5% okay. after inflation. Who, who, did they interview their clients? Where do these numbers come from? Well, no, 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 because their clients, <laughs> I'm looking at their website, firm. and they are, um, they call their investors, get this, high conviction, high active share, which means active, which means that, you know, they're, they're, active they're share. trying to hmm. beat the market. Well, and if they're getting that, they are, because... Um, in 2019, they surveyed investors and people expected long-term returns of 10.9 after inflation. Now they're expecting 17 okay. and a half after So they're inflation. bracketing Ramsey. So somewhere Dave around Ramsey 20% always tells a you to expect 12, which is wrong. He does. Have you listened? Come on. All you have Come to do on. is buy a nice growth and income no, fund. Not. And he always, it's the implication is an American fund. 
Uh, and you will, you know, because you always have in the past, you'll make 12% per year. Past is prologue until you don't. Hmm. So what's reasonable? Until you don't. Well, yeah, I so know that. This is not. Okay. First of all, what is reasonable? Well, if you look back, then large company stocks make about 10. Small company stocks make about 12 and a half. Now, basically every person that looks at this, who thinks they can see the future, even the people that write our planning software, believe stocks and, by the way, bonds will not make as much into the future as they have in the past. That, to me, is speculative. We don't know. We don't know if companies will be more profitable, more productive. There's all kinds of factors. Or if emerging markets will take off, right? All this new middle class that's buying stuff from all of us. No one knows that. But people that write the planning software believe stocks will actually make less into the future, like 2 to 3% a year less. If I'm writing a plan for people, I would rather look at the pessimistic side, Don, say, okay, be great if you made 17.5% a year after inflation, but what if you only made It's better to five? be conservative. How does it look then? Well, and what's so for, interesting, I wanted to look yeah, up what planning purposes. Um, Natixis owns the Oakmark Fund. You've heard of Oakmark. And Oakmark is a very oh, okay, famous actively managed fund, yeah. mm -hmm. done reasonably well with incredibly high Indeed. expenses. I mean, their C shares, now they, they are now commissioned, their C shares. I, I, let me look How at this much? again. I want to make sure I was right because that sounds high. And I just, maybe I forgot. No, I was right. 1.95% per year. 1.95% no. per Two percent. So they need to make. And what they need to make twenty percent a year. But see, to here's make the reality. This charge. is one of their own funds. Why would they let their customers or anybody even think you can pull off seventeen when their fifteen-year return, according to Morningstar, nine percent per year? No, well, less let's see. than the index. It's about 15, the same. Going back to two thousand six, probably not. Above. Probably a little bit, a little bit above, and I don't. I think oh, it's fairly see. narrow, right? So their standard deviation standard deviation is, is the bounciness, somewhat the, higher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The standard deviation on Oakmark is twenty five. Yes. And for the S and P, it's twenty. Yeah, that's. Um, yeah. So you're. Yeah, that's pretty. Getting outside the range there, um, but let me give you a couple other things to think about. Why you believe you why? investors believe. You'll make 20% a year. Oh, that's a good one. Recency bias. Because that's, <laughs> it's been easy to make that since, well, let's just say March of 2020. Everything has gone straight up, right? Big companies, small companies, international companies, emerging market, well, everything except bond funds, um, have gone up, up, up. So recency bias plays a large role in this. That's why in 2019, after 2018 was a down year, People only thought they're going to make 10% a year, which is more reasonable. I would not plan on 10%. By the way, which brings me to the way I look at this, because we are planning-centric, and you should be planning-centric. You, as, as we mentioned in a recent podcast, you should have a plan for every stage of your life, what you're trying to do, so you stay inside the rails, needs versus wants. If you can build a plan that works with 5 6 7% a year, that's 
what you should be willing to accept. No one knows the future. So needs versus wants for me and make it planning. I'm just going to go along with that so we can get a question. Yeah, I'm just going to go along with you. You're going to go yeah, I just along have to get a, I'm just looking at the time Are and I got to okay? get a question in. Maybe drop a couple aspirin off or something? And, and it's a really long one. Okay. And it looks like an overthinker. I'm thinking oh. this is an overthinker. Here, here we go. Subject. I like Should I do the opposite ice. of traditional asset allocation in this instance? Message. Ready? The question. I know Don prefers voice recordings, but this is too yes. long. Uh, okay. I'm wondering whether the situation is one Never where make the cut. I should reverse the traditional approach to holding bonds and a tax-deferred account. You're going to have to think this one out. And stocks and a taxable bonds account and, and instead do the account. opposite. Yes. What do you think? Yes. I have two uh -huh. inherited accounts that I have earmarked to use for my son's college education. He's currently a junior in high school. Two years from college. Well, year. Uh, the inherited IRA has $35,000 in it, and I'm taking annual RMDs. The other is a taxable account with $45,000 in it. Total allocation is 55% equities, 45% bonds. All the bonds are in the inherited IRA. All of the investments are ETFs and mutual funds. If we do use this money for college, the tax-efficient method will be to draw from the taxable account first because our capital gains rate is 18.3 versus our marginal income tax rate of 24%. With Everybody understand that? In other words, it's going to be cheaper to draw the money out of the post-tax account than it will be the qualified. Withdrawals from the inherited, inherited IRA would be taxed money. at 24. We live in Texas, so we have no state income tax. If we were to reallocate the bonds in the taxable account, this would accomplish two things. One, help solidify the certainty of the amount of money available since bonds are less volatile than stocks. Reduce expected capital gains taxes over the next few years because bonds tend to appreciate more slowly than stocks. I may not need to use this money for college because we also have $120,000 in a 529. My son's choice of college and receipt of scholarships, both unknown now, will dictate whether we need to dip into the inherited accounts for college. If not, we will use this money for retirement. I'm 48. My wife is 56. If we end up not needing this money for college, I would go back to the usual allocation with equities in the taxable account and bonds in the inherited IRA. The main downside I see in this event is a market decline. Our tax loss harvesting opportunity would be limited since all the equities would be in the tax deferred account. The other downside is if the stock market continues to, to gain, then the balance in the inherited IRA will increase which will lead to higher RMDs and therefore higher income taxes on the RMDs. By the way, I'm currently working to reduce the current gains in the taxable account by using a donor-advised fund. I am putting appreciated ETFs from the taxable account into the donor-advised fund, using the donor-advised fund for my charitable contributions to my church, and using cash that I would otherwise contribute directly to the church to replenish the, the taxable account. Okay, because that was going to be my first question was, it, how easy is it going to be to sell things in the taxable post-tax brokerage type of account, right? Because you're going to, mm -hmm. if you're selling stocks, you're going to be paying tax mm -hmm. on those. Don't really want to do that. 
Um, you're correct. If you're going to use the money, the post-tax money first, you want a more stable amount in there. That does make sense, right? Because if you got stocks bouncing all over the place, that could make it difficult. You know what? At those amounts, I would just use something very simple like the Vanguard balance yeah, or index just a, fund. Yeah, that. Well, but you still in both of them. Costs are low, I, I, you're honestly, right. and they have just, a degree the, of the stability. Costs are low. You got a balance of stocks yeah. and bonds. Yep, it's easy. All this messing around with this and it, it, those amount. No offense, which th- these are. But the differences you know, are going to be small. Buying and, into that, and, but and the other thing you can do is tell your kid, one hundred and twenty grand. Have, that's enough. That's a lot of money. Yeah, no, it is. A, a, well, okay, but if, especially if they're going to get a scholarship or those kind of or grant or whatever it is. Yes, that's should pay a lot. Although you could go places that would well, spend there are that in a couple many of those. Too. So um, under undergrad programs at a, at, oh, yeah. at, at oh, yeah. sixty thousand. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I think certainly a lot in the of those Ivy, Ivy League, League schools will give you nice, nice, anyway, nice big scholarships. I, he's correct in saying everything he said is correct because you want a stable base of money to draw on if you're going to draw that first. You want to do it in the most tax efficient manner. I'm all about simplicity. I, again, I would just use a balanced index fund. There's your answer. Thanks for your note. If you run. want to call us with a question, it's not as long as Paul's. Uh, you can at 855-935-TALK. You can also speak it at TalkingRealMoney.com on our contact form. Or you can type it like Paul did until he had typer's cramp. I'm sure his fingers are like, oh. It's not writer's cramp anymore. Nobody does this. Typer's yeah, you used cramp. To, you, know, you used to get cramps in your. That's a good point. I don't know. Typist, you know remember the days when you used to write like this? Was like, jeez. Oh, now it's like. Oh, yeah. So anyway, there we have that. If you need big help, hurt. if you need the big help with the hodgepodgeries, the podge hodge podge hodge podgeitis, podge hodge podge podge. <laughs> oh Lord, I'm tired. Uh, you can go to talk. No, go to vestry.com, which is the website for our investment advisory firm, our fee only investment advisory firm. Yeah, we help anybody. Hundred percent fiduciary for nothing. For free, one time, Uh, maybe two, if we're really feeling nice. But we're not going to manage your portfolio because we need to get paid for that, okay? But if you need some help, go to vestry.com, set up an appointment with one of our advisors. They won't try to pressure you into buying anything. It's really easy. The help's pretty good. And sometimes you even get Tom. Pretty good? Help is good. Help's very good. good. It's great. It's wonderful. You're tired. You're poor. Bring yeah, us your I know. I Bring us knew where that masses was going. Of mutual funds. Your huddled we'll masses of mutual funds in your it's hodgepodge coming. portfolio, and we will set them free. We will fix free. you right up. Call us freedom. free anytime. Eight five five nine three five. Talk. Thanks for joining us. Oh, great! I have a meeting with the CEO in a minute. Yeah, so I'm not going to be thinking Ooh, about or talking real money. I'm going to be talking about websites. If we don't see you again. Bye. <laughs> well, bye. Talking real money. 
We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.